This episode is brought to you by Zeratech Software Development. Are you a company whose commitment to excellence demands effective software tools? Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help build or enhance your technological systems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. You can find them at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. Hey guys, today I sat down and talked to Bryce Johnson. Bryce is super passionate about golfing. Uh, he's also a chiropractor and, and he's viewed the chiropractor lens somewhat through golf, or at least it's in, informed his golf world. Uh, he's also working at a country club in Minnesota, helping golfers out with their biomechanics, their movement, stuff like that. He also has a, a really fun page to follow on Instagram called MN Golf Doctor with tips, tricks, things to think about. Uh, really just saying, hey, if I can help one person in their golf game, it's, it's worth it. Uh, so I really enjoyed this one. I hope you guys do as well. Welcome to the Obsessed Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Herkus. In this podcast, we get to meet and hear from folks who are obsessed with a wide array of interesting endeavors. We dive into some awesome stories and look at the mindsets and the psychology of those who are obsessed. Let's go. Bryce, thanks for coming in today. Of course. Yeah. Uh, when I came here, I told you I have no agenda, but there's two things that I want to know about. One is your chiropractic world and then the golfing side, but obviously they tie together, right? Yep. Uh, but what, golfing obviously came first, right? Before the chiropractic world or how do those two things align for you? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, grew up up here obviously. And then, um, you know, I, I enjoyed golf, played golf at Calumet and, and, uh, had a great time. Yeah. Loved that. But I got interested in the human body after that and going into exercise science at northern um really tried to connect that and then golf then okay and i would say that's when i kind of became very interested in the game and, and since then it's just grown from there okay um when you golfed in calumet that was just a fun sport was that number one over hockey because you're a big hockey player right or what, how yeah. did you how did you view those two worlds yeah i would say hockey was first okay and then probably football actually after that and then golf okay um but since then that's that's changed quite a bit so yeah and just due to life right like yep. you're not playing hockey anymore or did you go on to play hockey at northern or anything no like that? no i never did i i went on to schooling and um that was kind of kind of it for my hockey career okay uh but still fun i, I guess i feel like this is very typically true you are a very competitive high school player right to have something to replace that with or even just continue on with the golf world to have something to always be working on and perfecting is that kind of why you kept is that why golf was still intriguing to you? Although I guess you loved golf in high school too, right? So, yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it always. And now it's kind of like the game that you can never perfect, but yeah. are always chasing. Yeah. And so that's kind of the the thing that keeps me going after it. Right. Um, there's always something to improve. There's always something to get better at. And you finally get better at one thing and, and then the next thing's off, you know? And so yeah, something that you're, you're chasing to always perfect that you can't really do. Yeah. For part of what I'm curious about is you said you went to school for exercise science and that's when you got interested in golf in that world and connecting the body into golf, all that kind of stuff. What's the timeline of, cause you went to exercise science. Did you know at that point you were going to go into chiropractic school after that? Yep. So okay. exercise science is more of a stepping stone to chiropractic school. Okay. And so I went into that program at Northern and then fully knowing that it would be a stepping stone. 
Okay. Um, a stepping stone in the chiropractic world, but were you thinking early on that this was a connection to golf or is it like, Hey, I like this. I, I think I'd be interested in this or what? I'm just curious where the inspiration for the chiropractic school came from. Yeah. So actually growing up, um, coming up here and, and playing sports for chiropractic wise only, yeah. um, you get injured, right? You, you have something going on. And I went to Dave Hill down here right? and, um, I had a great time with him and, and he always helped me out. And so getting into that world, solely chiropractic, that he was a big inspiration for that. Hmm. And then just getting interested in the human body. It, it's an amazing, an amazing, uh, thing that we have. Right. And, um, fully understanding from a biomechanics standpoint, then later on that, that was when it was more connected after I went to Northern okay. uh, to golf. Okay. So you were, you went, you knew that was going to happen, but then once you were at Northern and then you were tying golf into your schooling, was that a way, I wonder if that's pretty common or not, but either way, it was super success, successful way of staying really engaged in what you're doing because you have this thing that you're really excited about and tying it into your work or your schoolwork, right? Yeah. 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 And, and going through schooling, I wouldn't say that it was primarily like, okay, I'm learning this. How do I tie it to golf? Okay. A lot of it was like learning the information relating that to just the human body in general. Sure. And then okay. the interest, I would say tying that into golf came a little later. Okay. I gotcha. And yeah, again, we'll, we'll focus on both because, it, but for me that the trajectory and how it's changed for you and in the chiropractic world and how that has got today, you're, you've got a page on Instagram. What's it called? Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. So the MN golf doctor, I started up about two weeks ago, just as a hobby. Yeah. And, um, I have no idea where it's going to go. I, I don't know what it even it could, I could delete it in two weeks. I don't know. But yeah, my goal of that is just to, if someone can take that tip and I, I just put it on there, if it can help someone get one better score in one round, fully worth it to me. Yeah. Right. No, I think it's awesome to get out and put that kind of stuff out there. Obviously you're super passionate about yeah. it to share that is sweet, but what did that come from? And did you, uh, we know the background, I guess, but how long were you thinking of before you put that page out there? Was it like an overnight thing or something you thought about for quite a while? Yeah, it was. So I just started up a new job. Um, it's kind of getting ahead too. So okay. about three weeks ago, I started up a job at Madonna country club out in the cities there. And first of all, I don't like being in front of the video. I, I don't like videotaping myself or, or anything like that, but they kind of said, all right, you got to create content and we're going to put it on our Facebook page. Sure. So I, I started doing that and um, I thought, well, why don't I just do some of this my own? And, and if people can pick up on it, awesome. And, and so that's where that came from. Okay. So first for the country club, and again, we are skipping around and we can, yeah. we can do that. Right. But yep. the, what are you doing for the country club? Chiropractic work for them? Yeah. So, well, I can't do chiropractic there. Okay. Um, it's within my non-compete for, sure. for my office. But okay. what I'm doing there is I went and got a certification through Titleist. It's called through the, um, TPI or Titleist Performance Institute. It pretty much gives you a way to analyze the body through the golf swing. Huh. So I'd videotape the swing and then I'd analyze that with lines and, and looking at rotation and, you know, forward flexion, extension. And then I would also take them through a 16 test screen. And with that, you can kind of say, Hey, what we're lacking is internal rotation of that right hip. Right. What we do is this. And so you kind of take them through their, their options going forward. And that would be more in the gym when, and so I'm looking at mobility, stability and, and, and going from there. Okay. Huh. And so we, again, we are jumping around, but you, so you went to chiropractic school. What was that experience like? It was good. It was, um, you know, coming in and the first year they, they kind of throw the book at you. Okay. I think it's trying to weed people out out of there. And 
So you come in and I took just under probably 80, 80 credits the first year. And, wow. and, and that's about three and a half, just under three and a half years of just straight studying. So that was a, a time of my life where there wasn't really much of a, a social life in general. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I had good friends there. And actually, Ted Pietel, I went to school with. We're in the same classes, same everything. And so it was nice to have somebody to go through that with. But. Yeah. But what's that? I'm curious about that because again, you go to school for chiropractic school. That's a delayed gratification to the extreme, right? Correct. Uh, was that easy? Of course it's not easy. You're putting a lot of work, but in your head, was it easy to know that you are doing this for a, a bigger and better purpose or no? Yeah. Yeah. So going through chiropractic school, I full on plan was always to be a chiropractor and continue as that. And, and, and I am now, right. um, but at the same time, it's, it's, you are looking for that further thing and what you're going to do. And, um, I'm working in an office over in Long Lake in Minnesota there. And, mm-hmm. um, I enjoy it. I enjoy people see, feeling better and, and being able to do the things that they love to do. And that's the, the main reason that I, I want to be a chiropractor and continue to do that is because you get someone in the front door that has a hard time walking. They got an SI joint problem and you can help them out and see those results. And, and that's honestly the best thing about that, that job for sure. Yeah. Right. Have you had any moments where you realize like when you went to doc hill here locally that was obviously influential you fixed your problem you went and played sports because of it or you were feeling better because of it and thinking that he was a big influence and now you're here finally reverse roles is that surreal was it weird like to be in the position where you're now actually the chiropractor doing the work yeah yeah of course i think um you know in the beginning there i specifically remember him uh, coming out and shaking my hand with a big smile one time yeah it's like man this is this is some cool stuff, you know, and then you go in and, and there's a, a, the care there too. And then you feel better. And I, now I look back at that and at that time I was just like, man, that's such a different world out there. Yeah. And now it's cool. Obviously you're in a spot where you can help and do that for other people. And yeah, it's a, it's a cool feeling. Yeah. Right. And again, we'll jump around and focus on both. But to me, I like to know well, I feel like, again, tying into your, your Instagram page and what that's about and into the golf, like I like to know the backstory because it ties into the whole yeah. the whole picture. But for golf, for you as a young kid, what did that beginning look like? Yeah, so I started golfing with my dad early on, probably eight years old, something like that, just going up there with him. Yeah. Um, but then once I got a little older, it was going up there with cousins or friends and getting dropped or dropped off there early on. and getting picked up later after playing who knows how many holes and yeah um yeah so that's where that started from and then um got a pass and we we get a little older and we take the four-wheeler up there and go up there in the morning um play all day and then head home too yeah and so when i was younger i i played quite a bit and i was lucky enough to have a pass there and and, and do that so right Right. I don't know if you remember when we, when I, my senior year of high school, I went on a spring break to the Gulf Shores. You yeah. were there, yep. Kyle Larson. We were, I think it was me, you and Kyle. We were mini golfing, maybe David Hoogie. We were yeah. mini golfing. I never golfed in my life. Uh, maybe one time the wrong hand when I was in eighth grade, I think. Anyways, we were mini golfing. And after that mini golf, and I'm like, that'd be fun to go golf. And that's when I picked up golf. I don't know if you knew that, but yeah. anyways. I did not know that, yeah. but I remember that trip specifically. Yeah, it yeah. was a lot of fun. So anyways, went home, joined the golf team my senior year of high school. I was horrible. Like, but I was just there to learn and have fun and it's yeah. unreal. I've enjoyed it ever since yeah. and have had seasons of my life when I've been really, really into it. And I could easily right now, other than, I guess it's all priorities, but just time commitments. I, I, 
I can't and I struggle to only go once a month. Like if I can't go three, four days a week, I just almost can't do it. Yeah, that's a whole nother conversation there too. I mean, I mean, you look at priorities and time-wise, one round of golf, if you're playing 18 holes, if it's slow, it can take up to five hours, six hours. And, right. and especially when you are married or, or when you have other things that you need to be at, that's a tough thing to commit to. Yeah. Yeah. So some other stage of my life, for sure, even a few years from now, I'm, I'm envisioning getting back into it hardcore. Yeah. But anyways, that was the birthplace for me and how I got into it. And it's, yeah, it's unreal. I really yeah. enjoy it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. But I guess what I'm, t- what I'm curious about with that is, so I started at 18 and you're still pretty young at 18, right? But there's a pretty big benefit in golf or any sport of starting at eight years old, right? Like yeah. the mechanics of it all like yeah. come to you super quick, right? Isn't there something there? hundred percent. And and that's with any sport or anything, right? If, if you're able to start when you're younger, then um, you ingrain those things in the, in your brain and, and nervous system. And then you can build off there. It's kind of that stability or that, that building block that you have at the base. Yeah. And uh, you can kind of fine fine tune things as you, as you get older there. But I think even now the big thing that we want to see with young golfers is getting as much speed as they can with their swing. Okay. And then going from there, <clears throat> sorry, but going from there and then over to um, fine, te- fine critiquing those and fine tuning those into getting a straighter ball flight. Okay. Right. Um, so you started at that young age again, you were getting into it, then foiling up there, golfing all day, all that kind of stuff. But through high school, it was still a, a third sport. You enjoyed it. Yeah. But in college, you started getting really seriously into it hey yeah yeah so that was kind of when um we i took a i took a golf class at northern and uh you know once or twice a week you're able to go play nine holes for class and i was like that's a that's one of my favorite classes at the time you know so goes from there and then um you just keep getting better at the game too as you the more you're able to work on it and i really started to enjoy it especially when i moved out to minneapolis and started playing some of the courses out there. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed those places. And, and it was just a time away from school too, for mm-hmm. me, uh, when you are working and you're having our first trimester, I don't know what we had. I think it was 26, 27 credits that trimester. We, we, um, to get out and to get outside and enjoy that and to, to play golf, that was kind of a place for me to go and relax and, and have the brain kind of reset a little bit. Yeah. If you're taking that, like you said, we were talking about taking that many credits and being that busy and not having a social life, like that was your one area to escape a little bit. eh? Yeah, especially in the summer, fall or or springtime when you're able to, um, to have that time to to be able to go and and, and enjoy it and and be with friends or or whoever it may be. That was, that was a big thing for me. Yeah. Right. Um, And, and where has it evolved to today Uh, from the getting excited in college to where you're at today? How has that changed or where are you at right now? yeah so are you saying as far as like golf game or golf and then then i want to tie into the again back into the the doctorate side of things yeah so for me golf is is still a similar thing you know i i gotta say thank you to my wife she lets me play quite a bit and and, um i've changed from playing a lot of more rounds and and taking you know four to six hours to taking an hour and going to the range and and getting in a good range session Mm mm-hmm if done correctly, I think it's very beneficial for the game. But I would say that my game's gotten quite a bit better even since then. I think that's a, a big understanding of many different parts. A lot of it being expectation of where I actually am. Yeah, that helps the mindset as well. And then you know, knowledge is knowledge is the the best thing you can have for the game. And, and to put that knowledge into effect is a thing where I'm at right now. And, and trying 
to get my game to the top level. Yeah. I feel like I have many angles to look at this, but for me, my golf experience, I've gotten periods again, when I'm really into it, where I've gotten in my head, relatively decent for your average guy. Right. Yeah. Um, went from scoring horribly to like my, when I was at my peak, I'd score like my, I was always trying to break 40 at nine and I got 40, like seven times or something. So average, right? Not nothing crazy. Um, but anyways, for me, it's always been where like, I'm not figuring something out. Something's not working. I make, somebody tells me about this tweak or I make this tweak and I do that and it fixes things and I'd play okay for a while. And then eventually like I'm overcorrecting and that thing is going too far or whatever it is. I feel like there's this point where you got to get to where you're beyond that, where like, you're not thinking about these tweaks or, or do you get to that point or how do you, yeah. can you touch on that? Yeah. So, um, one example for me, this, this year would be, um, changing up my, my grip. I used to do a baseball grip, which was pretty much how you grab a baseball bat. Yeah. You know, after that, I, I this year I've changed up to an interlock where the, the pointer finger is kind of inside the pinky finger and in the beginning it's really tough it's something new your your body's not used to it your, your brain's not used to it your nervous system is saying hey i don't know what's going on here right and when you tie when you're talking about tying into the the chiropractic side that's where we see that as well and okay. so if i'm to learn any new skill if i don't practice it for a long period of time um we, we tend to lose it or we tend to overdo it and we overthink about it the idea is to try something new practice that until it becomes muscle memory that's that's the goal with with anything yeah uh, as far as changes in the swing right but like to add to that and, and maybe i'm curious if you are familiar like a pga tour golfer are they thinking about like hey dip my hand slightly lower left when they're swinging or is it total just freedom as they're swinging i don't know if that makes sense but yeah no that depends okay and, and you know i can't say for sure i'm not working with those guys but you look at someone like jordan spieth and over the last year or less than that, he's been working on a, a new swing thought, a new new swing in a little in a, in a way. And for him, that's that's something that he's trying to train in right now. Where right. you have other people that are that are trying something new, they may practice it, and it may be new from one week to the next. And so, it is an interesting thing to think about. It's it's tough for me to say for sure that someone's doing that or not. Right. Um, but there are examples of that for sure. Okay. It just seems like in my head, there's this point where you get to where you have zero thoughts and you're just freedom swinging and, and that's the, the peak, but maybe you never get to that point. Cause like you said, you can never perfect the game, right? You're always working yeah. to fix something. Yeah. There's always something you want to fix. Right. And, um, I talk a lot about that with, if people want to go out and just have fun, that's different than if they want to go out and fully improve the game yeah. and you can play both ways. Both ways you go is, is awesome. Yeah. I think. You know, if, if you were to go out and you're not thinking about, okay, my, my internal rotation of my, my leading hip is, is got a fighter here. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But for someone that does, who wants to really increase their score and, or decrease their score and increase their level of the game, then that may be something that they're going to do or think through. And so, um, it's all up to what you want out of it. Right. Right. But for you, obviously it's been where you're going as deep as you can on yeah. a personal level, right. To yeah. get as good as you can and, and really, really getting technical about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. And I actually laugh about this cause we we're, I don't know if we were on a guy's trip somewhere or something. We were talking about this podcast right? and we were talking about what would you talk about? Yeah. Uh, what would you, what would you want to talk about? And, um, everybody was saying their stuff and I went home after that weekend and I was like, man, I would love to talk about golf. Yeah. 
And my wife laughs at me because because <laughs> that night I couldn't fall asleep. I, I was deep in the game thinking about uh, the club face connecting with the ball and how that plays into the physics of it all. And right. since then, I've become uh, even more deep into the game. So thank you for that. My yeah. my, my wife not may, may be so thankful. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah no, yeah. I've, I've, it's been awesome. So yeah, no, it's cool. I, I don't know. I think there's huge. I sometimes think that I frame this this way because I am this way and I like to view my life in a positive light, right? But I think mm-hmm. there's huge benefit in just diving deep, getting as far as you can into something. Yeah. I don't know. You learn about yourself, right? Yeah, 100%. Uh, uh, and it's just, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's just the slippery slope that I go down. Anything yeah. I get into, that's why, again, I can't golf unless I'm going three, four days a week because even though it's fun and enjoyable, I'm trying as hard as I can to, and, and sometimes that's counterintuitive, right? Or, or counterproductive, but I mean, either way. Yeah it's hard not to be fully into something to the point where if you're not, it's like when I go, I go gone golf twice this year. And when I go, it's, I have to just totally like shut my brain off and just enjoy it for what it is and not worry about it. Right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah. Would that be tough for you too to golf once a month or, I mean, Oh yeah, yeah. that would be uh real tough for me. So I, I love the game and, and obviously, uh, you know, I think about it a lot and, and I've made it work. Yeah. Um, as far as like a job wise mm-hmm. um so you know I, that was the reason i i wanted to get a job in it because i want to stay around it yeah um once it's funny i i coached with a, a high school team just a, a volunteer coach for a couple of years last two years yeah out in minnesota there and um you know i i, I once i got engaged and, and married i kept hearing man you're you're not gonna be playing much you're right started to panic a little bit yeah and, and so <laughs> i called up uh, actually delano high school out in minnesota i called them up and the coach and asked if they needed a volunteer and just so i could be around the game and and um yeah it worked out awesome yeah. that was a, a big part of my transitioning from actually playing to saying hey i might actually be able to help some people and you know some of the kids there i hopefully they learned a thing or two but um i had a lot of fun with that yeah right Forrester Research interviewed 206 senior technology leaders in major organizations responsible for software development sourcing. 63% said their software development service partners do not have a full understanding of their end customer. If you're dead serious about moving faster and getting more done, Zeratech Software Development can help you move forward with confidence. Let the team at Zeratech Software Development help solve your problems with mobile, web, and backend solutions. As they align with their clients, they use a proven method to understand the scope of the problem and help demystify the steps to make it go away. They will deliver the software solution you need, and they do it with the integrity that you'd expect from a family-owned business in the heartland of America. Schedule a call with the team at Zeratech today at zeratech.com. That's X-E-R-A-T-E-C.com. Yeah, that does tie into, I've been curious. So with the page, well, many ways to look at it. I'm just curious, do you have like a, a 10 year crystal ball picture of where you want this to go? Or is it kind of just take it as it comes and Not see at where? All. I, I, I don't know where it will go. Okay. And so backtrack a little bit. I, I had the high school job that would just, you know, it was volunteer, but I yeah. would just be with the guys a, a couple days out of the week. Well, high school season ends and you know, I started looking around. I was like, how can I stay around it? And how can I be around it? And I was scrolling through Facebook and a, a ad came up for Medina Country Club's got a new gym. Hmm. So I just 
reached out. I inquired, I think it was inquiring about a membership or something. And I was just hoping that we get to the right person. Mm-hmm. And I emailed them. And at first it was like, Hey, would you want someone that's a, a, a chiropractor in, on staff? Right. And a couple of weeks went by, I didn't get anything back. And I thought maybe it was just, uh, you know, push the wayside. And then I got an email back that said, Hey, let's, let's set something up. And I went in and within that time I had found out that it was kind of within my non-compete and I thought I was going to say, Hey, it's not in my non-compete or I can't adjust here. Or I can't do chiropractic care here. Yeah. And then just be turned away. And I had my certification with TPI at that point. And so they said, Hey, you can't do chiropractic care here, but you can do this. And so I've then since then created a, a program for, for all of that. And, and it's been a lot of fun to figure it out. Yeah. So you, that's through Titleist. That yeah, program you said? Yep. Okay. it's a program. It was actually an online certification uh, that I took and, and learned a lot of, a lot more about the biomechanics of the swing for sure. Yeah. What are some of the big things you learned through that class? I would say one of my main things that I, I like that they taught me was that there's mobility and stability joints and the big movers we talk about, say the hips or um, the thoracic spine for sure, the shoulders, those are your uh, mobility. Mm-hmm. And if we have the the knee, we have the elbow, those different things in between those joints um, are the stability joints. Right. And the theory is that every two mobile joints are connected in the middle by a stability joint. If one of them loses their job, they compensate for that by doing the job of something else. Or for example, if the ankle and the hip are moving and doing their job and the knee's not stabilizing as much, we're gonna have the ankle or the hip act as a stability joint as well. Okay. That's where you open up the door for pain. Okay. But then on top of pain, right? Uh, did you learn a lot about like the proper movements or anything like that? I, I, I don't know how, how that makes sense, but I'm just curious. Like I am myself a very pretty, like probably most men our age, but like stiff, not mobile, right? Mm-hmm. Just through not working and not being diligent about it. Right. Yep. But there'd be huge benefit in stretching all that kind of stuff and getting to that point. But anyways, is there, yeah, I don't know how that ties into, but I'm just curious what you learned about, or even like for myself, I'm trying to learn for myself next yeah. time I go to the range. Is there things that you should be really working on to, yeah, open up those hips or whatever it might be? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, a, um, it's individually, uh, you know, but what I would say is common is what we would call as a lower cross syndrome. Okay. Where we're in a seated position like you or I are here now. And, and what happens is that the hip flexors are in a shortened position. Okay body this is a different story is amazing but over time if you're in that position over an extended period of time it actually shortens that muscle then we talk about a little bit of what's called reciprocal inhibition where when that muscle is firing the glute itself is actually deactivated or not Mm. not doing its job and so Mm. that when we go to stand up we're not using the glutes to actually step or to run or to do those things as well as we should be Mm -hmm. and so then we would look at okay in the gym if this was someone that i was working with is how can we get those glutes to fire and how can we do it efficiently? Okay. And my wife is a personal trainer. Yeah. Uh, and she's always talking about this kind of stuff. Like yep. we're doing push-ups or something and she's like, engage your core or whatever. I don't know how to like think <laughs> about this stuff necessarily, but yeah. right. And, and same thing on, on that end is like getting your glutes to fire. Whereas it's such, such a foreign concept. You could be doing squats and your glutes are not even activated. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's the compensation myth that we would call. Yeah. Um, and your, your wife would know a lot about this too. So, um, what we do is, is especially athletes um, at a high level or even high school or even you now, right? You're, right. you're not activating the glutes or, or the core. And we have different muscles that 
pick up for that and that's where we cause some issues so say that the the core is not firing right the core is a great st- stabilizer of the lower back like vertebra right and if it's not firing correctly you're not using it correctly it creates instability for those joints and because of that then we can see disc issues we can see pain we can see other muscles that are over activating and compensating for that and that's where it opens up the door for those issues Okay. And then, so it's been a fairly recent thing when you started this new job, you said, right? Yep. Uh, a few weeks ago, have you been able to help people out with it? Yeah. So I, as of last week, I just got, um, a first person on the schedule, but, uh, B, I just finished up my, um, program that I created. And with that, I, I needed a couple tools, iPad, a few different things. Yeah. Um, and so I, I finally got all that and now I'm really chomping at the bit here to, to help people out. So, yep, I got my first person on the schedule and we're ready to go. I'm ready to go anyways. I don't know what, what he's expecting, but uh, yeah. uh, I'm excited. Yeah, heck yeah. So what I'm curious too, it's outside of your current office that yep. you're within, right? And you're not actively doing chiropractor work there. Correct. Um, and we can remove this part if it gets too personal or too whatever else, but would the goal be to be working primarily in the golf world if you could? I, I don't know. Um, I'm seeing where, I, where this goes. And, and okay. like I said earlier, I had reached out on Facebook, right? And, yeah. and they said yes. I I thought they would push me off to the side. And, and then it was pretty quick from there. And huh. So I went in for an interview. A couple weeks after that was, was when it got set up. And then the next week I was starting there. So I haven't had a whole lot of time to think, okay. uh, you know, where do I want to take this? And, you know, eventually it's a huge passion of mine if if that's the way it could go maybe um but again right at this point i i don't have a a solid answer for you okay but because it's so new right like you said you haven't had time to process of where it's at and yeah see where it goes but i'm just curious what the i think it's unbelievable to be in a world where you're excited about the human body and what that makes it work and you love golf and connecting those two um it's something i've thought about even in the sales world like i've been in sales for quite a while uh, I love hunting and thinking about going sell for a hunting brand. And I don't know, it feels like there might be a good correlation there because yeah. but if you're in that world, right, in that hunting brand sales world, you're probably going to be out doing actual hunts and promoting and doing this and that and whatever else. If you make it an intentional part of your life, it'll be that. And where, like you said, on the flip side, the average or the typical mindset is, hey, by the way, you're married and you've got kids and you're not gonna be able to do this stuff anymore, right? Whereas if you make it a focus, you will. Right? Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. And get the nail on the head there if you can you know find something that you enjoy and you have a huge passion for and try to make that your work or get paid for it that's a super cool thing that i don't think there's too many people out there that can say that they do that right right and i've, I've debated that for quite a while is the the reverse argument is if you do it's going to turn it into a job and you're not yeah. passionate about it but i keep thinking like if that's the case you weren't that passionate in the first place i would agree with that you know i i I love the game and, and to be around it, I seem happy. You know, my, my view out the back of the gym is the 16th, 17th and 18th hole. And <laughs> I said, as long as I have a view like this out of the place I'm working at, I, I'm going to be doing all right. Yeah. No, but I asked you about the crystal ball thing and you said, you don't know, you're just seeing where it goes. And again, we can remove this if it's too personal or whatever else, but I'm just super curious. Like, do you truly have no thoughts or is there like defense mechanisms in place that won't let you say them or what's that? No, no, no. The, the reason I say that is because I do chiropractic is something that I want to continue to do. Right. I do enjoy it to see your average person come in and to, you know, however long it may be, that may vary, but, um, to see them actually get positive results 
and to feel better or a mom that can't pick up her kid is picking up her kid. That's some pretty powerful stuff there. But to tie that into a golf perspective, right? It's kind of this teeter totter of, of, of what I'd like to see and yeah. um, trying to balance that right now. I, I, I really don't know, but yeah. to see someone get better at the game of golf, I have a huge passion for mm-hmm. and to weigh that over someone getting out of pain. It's, it's tough for me to weigh that out right now. Okay. And yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, my head naturally goes to like, Hey, you need to be doing chiropractor work for a PGA player or something, <laughs> right? Like just take it as far as you can. You right? know what? I, I, I've thought of that and I looked into it probably three years ago. I had looked into it and, and they, I think they have under 20 chiropractors for the PGA yeah. and super understandable. That's a low number. They want to, they don't want varying um, styles of care for them. Sure. And so to be that, that would trust me, I, that would be amazing. But what those guys do is that they pick out maybe five tournaments out of the year. Okay. And then they go and work those. Oh, sure. Besides that, they also have their, their chiropractic office or, or of some sort. Okay. They're at. Right. I got you. So that's just a, a blip in their life. Of, yep. Right. You're not. A, okay. That makes yep. sense. Have you gone to any PGA events? I never have. And really? actually this, we're on vacation this week here. Um, and I had a chance at some tickets from my father-in-law at the 3M. Yeah. And I, I had to shut them down, but, uh, trust me, I, I would have loved to be there, but being here with family and, and being on vacation is something that you can't beat up here too. Yeah. When I told you that you got, or I was with you when I got into golf first senior year, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. The next spring after the, my first year in college, we took that spring off, went down to Florida. Um, <clears throat> I watched one day, the uh, final day of the Honda classic down yeah. there. It's unbelievable yeah. in life. I, I, maybe you can appreciate this cause you've golfed with a lot of good guys, but you see it on TV. It does not do it justice at all. Yeah. Like 180 yards out of the pine straw, like a branch in the way, like a shallow swing. And he just puts it to 10 feet. Like yeah. just out of this world's crazy. There's, um, I, that is awesome. Yeah. I, I love that aspect of it. And you mentioned what you see on TV right. and it's always interesting to me because whenever I would play or, and I don't know if other people have the same issue, but you'd always relate it to what you saw on TV, right? Is yeah. these guys are so good. They're, they're hitting unbelievable shots every time they're up. It seems like right. what TV doesn't show you is those shots that they shank or the shots that they missed. And so it's an interesting th- that you brought that up because right. you see these guys and how good they are, but knowing that the, the, tv side of that is like a highlight reel for the round yeah um keep that in mind too and and that's helped me actually personally with not getting so frustrated with my own shots or if i miss a eight footer right um you look at eight feet for a pga pro for putting wise they make that about 50 percent. where i thought they're making 85 percent of those and and so those guys are so good at being consistent and and having those shots at certain numbers um, granted they do it for a living, but it's hard to compare yourself to them yeah. um, or watching TV. Right. I wonder if you could, <clears throat> have you thought about it? Can you break it down of, uh, the skill difference between you, who's a very good golfer on your, compared to your average guy compared to a PGA player? Is it like, uh, you're at 90% there at a hundred percent or is it you're at 50 and they're at a hundred? I don't know if you could yeah, you have any so thoughts on that. There's a book I'm reading right now. It's okay. called the four foundations of golf by John Sherman. And I, I highly recommend it to anybody. The first there's four parts. The first part is actually like your own expectations for your game. And it compares scratch golfers to PGA tour pros. And 
I always keep the PGA Tour Pro numbers in, in mind. Um, and for myself, I, I compare myself to that for what it is for someone that's at a 10 handicap or a 20 handicap that the numbers are obviously worse. Mm-hmm. Um, but it depends on where you're at, whether it's putting, whether it's an approach game or, or whether it's driving, um, you know, those are, those are all different things and, and they have different numbers. But what surprises me is one, one, the PGA tour average from eight feet is 50% make, right. which I thought was a lot more, um, PGA tour pros from, 100 to 125 yards out on an approach shot or a wedge shot the average the best average is 15 feet and and the average of the pj tour is 20 feet and huh. so to take those numbers and, and to say hey i'm comparing myself to that it those guys are the best in the world at what they do right and so if you hit an approach shot from 100 yards at 20 feet and you're not happy with it you know you're holding yourself to a better than pj tour standard and at that point, there's no no point in getting mad. Right. Yeah. No, because in my head, when I grew up, and I'm probably the same for you, you look at a professional anything, and you picture they are three times better than the the you know the best college mm-hmm. player or whatever, right? But I, and I don't know where the ratio is and if you can define it, but it seems to me there is it's way closer than what you think. It's a their ability to perform under pressure, right? Yep. Uh, but also just that it's not that far away. I mean, it is, but it isn't. I don't know if that. Do you, do you agree with that? I would agree with that for sure. And, you know, someone that's a scratch golfer that hits average of par, yeah. you know, um, they, their numbers are actually very close to a PJ Tour Pro. Yeah. And the biggest thing is that we t- this book also talks a lot about eliminating misses or eliminating high scores, your double bogey or worse. Mm-hmm. The pros, granted, they get those, but they know how to bounce back mentally. Mm-hmm. They know how to... Um, bounce back and not have to worry about the last shot or the last hole and they do it so well they do it so well and it doesn't affect them for the rest of the round yeah what about you on a on a mental level if you have a bad hole does it bug you for a while or do you get through it (laughs) i i used to be bad um and the guys i play with will laugh at this because (laughs) we 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 once all four of us one time we're heading up to a tournament in northern minnesota there and we were playing a practice round the day before and none of us were playing well and we we went i think probably three holes where nobody talked to each other the whole time everybody was just frustrated and and in those moments you, you kind of have this little time where it's like man we're playing we're we're, we're paying to play this game right now we're right. paying to be so frustrated that you want to take the club in your hand and smash it over your knee or, or yeah. throw it in the <laughs> lake and you know if you get too many times like that it is a time for you to evaluate where your head's at and and i don't want anybody out there just frustrated with himself and so i used to be like that i snapped a couple wedges and a couple drivers but now it's it's where are my expectations and and was that bad shot that i just hit actually bad yeah so um we call it course management as well and so how you go about playing your course or the hole in front of you can highly depict on, okay, I take my chances out of having a double bogey by 50% if I do this mm-hmm. or if I hit the ball in this spot. Right. And so that's the name of the game. Avoid double bogeys. Yeah. And to, uh, but tying into that, I asked you about where you're at or how do you manage that? But isn't, I feel like I've heard this and I feel like this could be true is you could say that how you golf or how you react to golf is a good metric of your own personal mental health at that time. I would, I would highly agree. I don't, I don't know if there's any 
full research or whatever it may be behind behind that. But yeah. I would agree with that. Like, I feel like if you're too amped up at work or too stressed or tight or whatever else, that's going to reflect in your game. You're going to be tight. You're going to be angry. You're going to be not able to bounce back, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just the, that's a psychology, you know, realm of, of that too. And, right. um, and so to say, Hey, how you react in your golf game and how you react in, in real life, there for sure could be some tie there, I, I think. But mm-hmm. when you get the competitive juices flowing, yeah. I think that's when things can amp up, yeah. especially with buddies. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, it's been a lot of fun and, and I have some guys, especially, uh, out in Minnesota that when we play, it gets pretty competitive and it's a great time. So, yeah, I gotta tell you a story. I was t- talking about, uh, in Florida being down there and going to the Honda classic when we moved down there, it was just straight up skipping a s- semester of college to go have fun. Right. Yep. And I thought, what would I want to do? I like, I like golf. I just started golfing. I'm going to think about caddying. So I put my name and number out there on this golf website or something like for sure. thought my identity is going to be stolen. Never heard nothing. Three months later or two months later, I got this call. He's like, Hey Logan, this is Bobby. I'm down here in Miami. I need a caddy for this weekend. We got a celebrity tournament going on. I'm like, can you make it down? I'm like, sure. I'm like, but I got to tell you, like I just started golfing like five months ago. I don't know anything about what I'm doing. He's like, Oh, shoo. Um, let me call you back. I'm like, okay. Like that was the end of that. You know, I got a call back an hour later. He's like, Logan, I can't find anybody. Can you come down? I'm like, sure. We'll come down, you know? So it was this celebrity charity thing where the uh, four guys would all donate all this money to whatever this cause was and golf with this one celebrity. And they had one caddy. They were scrambling and one caddy per group. So I was one of the caddies per group. There was like the year before that there was Dwayne Wade, like Alonzo morning and stuff. These guys were there and I'm like, I, I walk into the caddy shack and I've never even done this. I started golfing five months ago. Like I don't know at all what I'm doing. These guys are talking like, Hey, you know, I just got off scene or like I used to golf on the senior tour with Arnold Palmer or like caddy on the, with these guys. Yeah. And I'm like, I am so far out of my league. This hick from UP, like down here in the middle of Miami, skyscrapers all around me. These guys have been golfing forever. Oh man, did I, oh, it was so bad. It was fun. It, I did. Okay. Yeah. Gathered all these balls for these guys. And they'd like, they'd be asking me like, Hey, how many balls left should I go? And I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea. Like, oh, oh. That's a great story. I love yeah. to hear that stuff. And, and <laughs> I laugh cause I, I, you know, I grew up up here and I, it is one of the best places in the truly in the world yeah. out of all the places I've been to. And I, I moved out to Minnesota and, and to come back and, and be up here for a week for vacation. It's, you just realize how nice it is up here. And yeah. growing up with Lake Superior in the back door, you know, east or west or north, it's um, it's something you don't get anywhere else. You know, you go out to Minnesota and this is nothing against Minnesota, but it's just a lot of smaller lakes and yeah. um, the algae grows and, and you get the big lake up here. And to come up and to fully enjoy it, is something I'd love to do. Yeah. Right. No, for sure. You, uh, you don't appreciate it till you move away. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You grow but, up here, take it for granted. But, uh, I love to hear a good UP accent. I don't know if yeah. mine is fully gone yet, but, um, but it's funny cause you say, well, going somewhere else and, and, and how much different it might be somewhere. Right. But you come back up here in the small town and all of that, and it's awesome. Yeah. You can't beat it anywhere. Right. No, it's its own thing. I love to head out and it's always fun to come back to, right? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But, um, for you in the golf world, do you have a few things I'm thinking about? Like, is it hard for you to watch your average golfer who is clearly doing a ton of wrong things and not wish you could help them? 
because it's kind of a fine line, right? Like, do you want to coach them? Do you not? Do you mm-hmm. want to help them? But is it hard for you not to say something or do you like kind of just shut your golf brain off when you're watching somebody that doesn't know what they're they're doing or how do you approach that? It depends. And so if I'm out there and they want me to help, then okay. I will. But just like if I were doing something, um, you know, whether it be selling something or, or doing that, right? I don't want someone hawking over me. Sure. And so I try to respect that and I'll try to offer tips if they want it or if they ask. Otherwise, I'll stay back and uh, just let them enjoy it yeah right um but you have a, a pretty credible credible background like you see a lot of guys give tips where you're like oh you're not a very good golfer yourself like how, why should i take tips from you but from somebody like you that knows what you're doing and you've really really studied this obviously it's pretty valuable but the person has to be open to it first i guess eh? yeah 100 yeah. percent. and i'm not here saying i'm a pj tour pro swing coach or anything like that i i'm right. honestly not even close i'm still learning as i go and um even at the uh, the club there at the country club, I'm not giving them tips on what to swing. Mm. I'm strictly based on okay, we have limited shoulder ability or sh- shoulder rotation here. Um, if we can help that out, or if we can help out the hips or the thoracic spine or mid back, yeah, then we can see this. I'm not here to say hey, you got to close the club hand, you know, the club face a little bit. That's at the at the country club. They have the assistant pros and pros for that right that's not my job and i make sure to let people know that but okay outside of that i i have a good understanding of the game and i've studied it a a lot and so if someone asks i'll give them some tips that i might think they're they're doing so okay um a couple things i want to ask one of them is on with the work you're doing right which is outside of the grip and outside of the swing path and this and that what are the what's the most common not mistake but like weak point for golfers that you you think you'd find or that you've you through your schooling that you've learned that you'll find you know tying that back into chiropractic care I, you look at low back okay and low back hip area that's going to be a, a area where the golf swing requires a lot of movement through mm-hmm. uh, as far as rotation rotation for the the spine is really not a good thing and you look at guys that start to increase power one that comes to mind and, and people probably think of it as dechambeau mm-hmm He's looked. He's put on a lot of weight, um, and he's crushing the ball. Yeah. I mean, the game of golf changed because of him. And you see, a lot of youngsters are really wanting to do that too. They yeah. want to hit the ball as far as they can, and um, it's not getting away from consistency, but seeing how far you can hit the ball, uh, one out of ten times is is that it hits the fairway, right? Right. Um, as much. I would say much less effective than hitting the fairway five out of 10 times, Yeah, but hitting it 50 less yards. Yeah. But, um, I would say not to back to go back to the question there, it would be a lot of low back issues, um, that people tend to deal with. And that may be just cause I'm a chiropractor as well that I see that. Yeah. Um, but because a lot of people are just not very mobile, they don't get up and move a whole lot. We, sit in the same spot for the same amount of time every day every week and the body changes with that mm-hmm. for sure and, and i guess the same question would be applied and again i know you're not saying i'm a pro yep. I, you don't know everything right um but from a i put myself in this category average at best new to average at best type golfers what's your typical like do you see things that most of them are doing from a, a that on a incorrect level it's it's hard because it's person to person. Okay. But most people will slice, yeah. right? And most people see the ball go 
away from them, you know, as far as left to right for, for right-handed people and right to left for left-handed people. But I would say it's tough because you, you look at each person and a lot of them might be standing too close to the ball where the next person is just swinging like it's a baseball bat or, or yeah, it's hard to say. Sure. Um, and I wish there was a, a one, one tip that would fix a lot of them, but it's all individual. So situational, hey, mm-hmm. or so specific, hey. Yep. Yeah. Um, and and for you, I'm just curious again about the you fixing things. Are you still always thinking about that? But now you said you go to the range, though, hey. Is, yep. that, is that kind of the mindset? Like fix things on the range and then try to just golf as yeah. free as you can? Yep. I, I On the range, I'm trying to, A, find what's wrong, right? My, my typical miss is going to be a, a slight ball that goes from left to right and so okay. a slight little fade we'd call it yeah um and it would end up right of my my aiming point mm-hmm. and so to square my club face up at contact is what i'm trying to work on and this year i've, I've made a couple different fixes that have helped it one uh being that the the grip there that i had mentioned earlier mm-hmm. the second one being that i'm trying to i was creating way too much of an arc in my low back okay um and when we when we change those biomechanics and and make a powerful swing through put a lot of stresses that we don't want on that low back and so i would have occasional tightness or or some muscle strain in there but um nothing that i was too worried about right that has helped out quite a bit on that yeah but that's something very very few people do is spend uh very intentional range time yeah. And that's been a huge impact for you? For me, it has, yes. Yeah. And and when you get those swing changes or you change something up, you have to drill it into your head. We call it muscle memory in a way or, or um, getting your nervous system to recognize that and say, hey, this is our new normal. Yeah. The ideal is to get to that spot where, like you had mentioned earlier, is not have to think yeah. and just swing the club and, and you do what you want, right? Right. I've never broken through that. Uh, like again like a picture like like most newer average golfers you've got a typical fade on your drive right and there's times i can fix it like the last time i went golf it was fairly fixed and but to do that somebody uh taught me that this thing like if you uh, i can't even quite describe it but either way like you you go to your backswing you Mm -hmm. just don't think about trying to keep your shoulders faced back Mm -hmm. as you swing and naturally it's going to be just a microsecond delay but Mm -hmm. in your head you're trying to think like keep your shoulders faced back either way it fixed it so but what happens is i go to the point where i I do that and then but your body must get used to that and then you're going like beyond that new point right so i never get to that point where you are like truly just free flowing and to me that feels like that's the uh, a big holding factor of getting to that next level yeah and the big thing is is that to get to that point, you need to have repetitions, yeah. right? Um, and and what you had just said is awesome there. And whoever you learned that from, I, I love that. But what I always tell people is if they're struggling with a slice, I want them to understand what may be causing that yeah. um, and explain it to them so that they understand. Because if I tell you, hey, your, your swing path is outside in and, mm-hmm. and you're causing a slice in the ball, now I want you to do this, and it helps them, but why, mm-hmm. right? Why, why is the ball now going from right to left when it was going from left to right before right and so if they understand that a it helps them out up up in the brain yeah but b they get a better understanding of that to say hey now i got to do this and so if i see someone slicing the ball my idea is that i want to get them to feel like they're 
I want them to hook the ball. Yeah. So I want to get them to hook the ball yeah. so that they can feel what that's like. Right. And then we say, all right, now we got to do this. And so we try to get it closer and closer so that they understand what I'm doing by doing this causes the ball to hook. Mm-hmm. What I'm doing by doing this is causing the ball to slice. And we try to find that middle. Sure. Yeah. But too, and again, I know you're not saying you're a PGA pro or anything like that, but isn't there some players who have what you'd call deficiencies, right? Or like hitches in their swings mm-hmm. or they always hit a fade, but eventually they're just like, Hey, I'm good. Embrace it. Yeah. Uh, but obviously you got to be to that point before you're saying, Hey, I'm good and embrace it. Right. hundred percent. So yeah. I, I always tell people, and, and I I'm very touched on this because I've never had swing coaches. I've never had that. And I feel like I've gotten my game to a pretty decent level. Yeah. You look at someone like Bubba Watson, who very seldom, I don't know if he's ever had or has not had, um, any range or any, um, coach at all. Yeah. But look where he's at and the shots that he makes. And so that's an art and that's the art of the game, which is a pretty cool thing. But as far as a specific swing, and the perfect swing everybody relates it to adam scott he's got an hmm. unbelievable swing and the test that i put people through to see where they have deficiencies he's one of maybe two people that have actually passed that without any sort of interruption in it hmm. um, but someone like john rom who was born with a club foot in his right leg uh, or right ankle he does have he has no mobility in that right ankle right and so for him, he has to make up for that loss somewhere else. And so you'll see him with a very different swing than someone like Rory McIlroy or yeah. someone even like Adam Scott. Right, right. But again, I think there is, well, I guess, again, it's all situational, right? Because you could have somebody else that has a similar thing that there's no way they can overcome. Mm-hmm. Even though you're an average golfer, you have to just embrace it, right? Exactly. Because you were born that way or whatever. Uh, but yeah, because I, I think that is the, the beauty, right, of always reaching that next level because you can picture yourself in a world where you hit this light fade and, hey, I'm scoring decent. I'm four over on average on nine or whatever. But for you to get to that next level, you'd really have to overcome that, you'd say probably, or what do you think? Yeah, I think it's the mindset then, right, where you look at the name of the game is consistency as well. Okay. And if you're hitting consistent fade on every iron, every club, everything, mm-hmm. play it. Sure. Right. And then you, you know, it's going to do that every time that would be ideal yeah. where if I know I'm hitting that slight fade every time play that and then go from there. And there's a, the easiest way to change or get lower scores without changing your swing would be mm. course management. Okay. What club selection you take on what tee or, or what shot. Yeah. And I thought about that kind of stuff, right? Is it like, hey, you're behind a tree and just chip it out versus trying to make the miracle shot type yeah. of thing? Yep. But also don't worry about the fact that you're X amount of yards out and you have the club that is normally two clubs lower than that or something, right? Yep. Because of this elevation or wind or sand trap or exactly. Yeah. So the, that's part of it. Course management is, is exactly like you had mentioned, right? If I'm behind this tree and I have a two-foot gap that's 20 yards up, but that had that two foot gap gives me a look at the pin. Right. Um, take the option down out into the uh, fairway directly left because yeah. if you hit that tree at that gap and goes out of bounds, you're dropping then for the, for that. Whereas if you chip out onto the uh, fairway somewhere, you have a, a chance to save par or bogey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then what about that too? Again, there is a there's a mindset early on in my 
golf where I'm 150 yards out. I use an eight iron. That's what I use no matter what. Right. Yep. Okay. This is my distance. But then you start thinking about the, again, the height, the wind, the sand trap in front, the, if I'm going to miss, I want to miss long stuff like yeah. that. Right. Is. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that comes, I think with knowledge. Right. And, and I was, I think everybody was probably the same way growing up is they're going to go out. And if they're at 200 yards, they pick the same club that if they have 150 yards. They pick this, that, that club every time. And right. to say, Hey, the wind's coming in at 10 miles an hour, or we have an uphill lie, or I'm in a, rough lie where i'm not even going to be able to look at the green from here yeah um those things happen just with with time and knowledge yeah the you talked about that night where you couldn't sleep thinking about golf yeah is that uh it's it's fun to be in that state isn't it (laughs) or no i don't know i i love it my brain goes um and a lot of my friends know this but if we have a tournament that we'll play in like uh one up here or or one in northern minnesota or, or out that way i can never sleep the, the the night before i get so excited and and um i just wake up and a lot of times if the tournament say the tournament starts at seven i'll set an alarm for six or a little bit before mm-hmm. and i'll wake up and in my head i just say please be past 5 a.m and yeah. it's it's I've had it a few times where it has been past that for five fifteen something like that, but right. uh, I've had quite a few times where it's before then too. Yeah, so it's like Christmas Day, eh? honestly. That's what I tell people. Yeah. That's what uh, you know. That's what I relate it to, and and to have a true passion for something, whether it be hunting, whether it be golf, whether it be anything. When you have that going on that day, you it's the closest you can get to feeling like a little kid on Christmas Day. Yeah. Right. But the part I think about too is like, what if you didn't have that? Could you imagine? Yeah. I'd be empty. Yeah. I don't know. Like there's bigger things in life. There's family, there's relationships and all that stuff is very impactful. But if you don't have something that will keep you up at night, man, I don't know. Yeah. Just be hard. There's, there's good and bad with that too. Sure. Absolutely. Um, You can take it too far. There's things that are, that are stressful that will keep you up. Um, which I think a lot of people have. Right. But there's also things that, you enjoy right. to have a passion for and you know to to keep you up at night looking forward to that yeah is something that is you're right it's, it'd be hard to not have something like that yeah and and I, a little bit hold back because like it's okay not to like maybe it's a personality thing right yep. like and if you don't and that's you're perfectly happy then great but yeah. i just know for my personality if i didn't i would I, i'd be struggling yeah. yeah and and that's a different realm for for everybody that's i would say more of a psychology study right Right. people will not have that and be just fine yeah that's awesome too but you see people that are giddy the the day before or or have those things it's a super cool thing to see yeah right in the in that chiropractic schooling stuff like that have you did you guys dive into psychology at all was that anything you did we never did and i think that would be a course that I would actually be willing to pay for outside of everything and, and take, but, um, there's a, for me, there's a a line there too, where I want to understand, you know, where people are and where they're at and why, but then there's a point of you go too far and then you're analyzing too much. Mm -hmm. I think that's a part where, where it can get a little tricky there. Sure. Align with everything, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just like with your golf, you can take it too far and it's ruining yeah. your life or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, but no, I don't know. There's a, 
do you think about uh, you must right the psychology of golf mm-hmm. the psychology of the player for you personally for other people right like how do you guy have a guy like jordan spieth who just dominated in like was it like 2015 or something like that yeah and then the next year he just or next or whatever it was like just dominated on all these tournaments and then couldn't figure it out for quite a while it's crazy yeah and and you know i don't know exactly what that is but for him right um but i think there's a there's a point where exactly like we had mentioned is you get too far into it yeah and all of a sudden you're, you're thinking that you should make this shot and then you don't make that shot and it becomes very frustrating yeah and then no longer is the game fun or the thing that you love to do fun anymore it's more like you go out there and it's just anger and right that's something i i've gotten to that point before yeah and where it's like like i mentioned we're paying to play this game versus enjoying it right and so for me if if you screw up everybody does um on the course then knowing that it's okay or take a look take a moment listen to the birds chirping take in the scenery and 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 just remember that you're playing a game yeah. i think that's a that's a big thing to remember out there right right but still i've said this before with other people is i'd rather and again i think this is me framing my life because this is how i handle things but i'd rather flirt with that edge than be way on the other side and be like oh i don't care i'll yeah. score 10 over it doesn't matter whatever you know yeah i don't sure. know i'd rather flirt with to, to me that's where that magic is right on the edge of like yeah. healthy and unhealthy yeah know? yeah and that's you know it's uh, uh something where i bet on both sides of that yeah and where i'm at right now it's it's go out and don't expect to shoot three under four under mm-hmm. but being okay with shooting 10 over obviously i'm not happy with that but right um but to play good golf and and to feel like hey that was enjoyable that's yeah. all i want from the game yeah these tournaments you're talking about are you talking like different like scrambles s- that you're doing or what are you yeah doing? just different scramble tournaments and and with my game right now it's it's actually been at the best i've i've ever played but okay i've thought about playing in some smaller tournaments around minnesota but i just haven't signed up for it yet and and that's something I, I I do want to look forward to and, and get into. Yeah. Um, if I can keep my game where it's at. Right. I was gonna say you should try that. Yeah. You've been thinking about it. Yeah. Last yeah. probably month more. Okay. Um, but it's it's just something that's a future thing if if doable. I think I would really enjoy it. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. Because when's the last time you've had a like, what's the right term? Uh, like play your own ball single player whatever i'm i'm competitive that. but yeah just when's the last time you played competitively by yourself high school okay. would, would be the that time other than with buddies here and there yeah. right on the weekends but um yeah high school it would have been the last time and and i know for a fact i wasn't nearly into it or or my game was at a much lower level then so yeah right be interesting head, headspace see where it takes you yeah 100 percent. and you know whether it be the nerves or whether it be you know just under pressure it's 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 a new mindset in that and so you think about guys that do do that that's a whole nother part of the game mm-hmm. and they got to take in a, a putt on 18 that's if they make it they get third place if they miss it they get fourth place and that could be as much as 10 grand or more you know right. and so um to hear those stories you know put yourself in those shoes and try to make a putt without trembling yeah right um but yeah i don't know there's something about it if you were to go out and play competitively i don't know there's something about going to that next level just something yeah be cool i would love to try that and going forward i 
I probably will try to do some lower, low level amateur events or, or something like that. I don't even know about that whole um, part of the game, but it would be f- something fun to try. And I could go in and get blown out of the water or go in and, and, and do well. So right. going in and having expectation wise is, is something that's tough because everybody wants to play well and, and make it there. Yeah. But you might go in and blow yourself out of the water there. So, right. I'm curious. Uh, so you're going to try that out. You're thinking you will. Like, is I, that I, I would like to. Okay. I haven't signed up for anything. And, and the sign ups, I think, takes a little bit or you got to do it so far in advance. But sure. It would be something I would like to try. Okay. But I'm just curious. Again, I, I asked you a couple times trying to get you to even say, hey, like, this is what I'm shooting <laughs> for, whatever else. But do you like having the, uh, like the adventure mindset of like, Hey, see where it takes us kind of thing versus having the next 30 years planned out. Yeah. hundred percent. And you know, especially with golf, golf, to be honest, I did not, I love it. Mm -hmm. But within the last two months is when I really started being like, Hey, this might be part of a job as well. Yeah. And so that's kind of been its own side thing. And now seeing where it can go, I yeah. have no idea. I, I, you know, you could reach for the stars or, or, you know, you never know. Right. When you, that's crazy. Okay. So I'm putting myself in your shoes and Good. realizing that moment when you can say, Hey, this might be a part of your life. And you talked about like your brain lighting on fire and can't sleep. Isn't that, I don't know. There's something about that where your whole like body changes, like in an instant, once you realize that you can, I don't know, so you, like a new, it's a paradigm shift. It's a new thought. It's something else where it's like, actually when I was 18, what, how I got into sales, Steve Eskla was talking about sales and I'd always been interested in people, um, and, and really enjoyed like I, whether I enjoyed it or not, I constantly found myself just studying people. What made them tick? How, what, why did you do this in this situation? Whatever it was. And also just enjoyed visiting with people and meeting new people, whatever else. And he told me he was in sales uh, and he was just talking to a group of us. And he's like, if you're good with people and you enjoy people and you like people, like this is a really, really good opportunity. And it was like instantly like, yep couldn't stop thinking about it for two years. Like finally I need to go do this and I've been doing it ever since, but I'm saying that one moment somebody says something, somebody does something and it like changes you internally. And it, I don't know, just changes the whole path of your life. Um, you felt that, eh? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty cool thing there. Yeah. And it's funny that it's one time for you or one time you, you might tell someone, Hey, you'd be really good at that. Yeah. And the person like i don't know if steve Eskla knows that or if you've told him that but yeah um for him to hear that pretty cool right you know to to have that um time in, in someone's life where you were the actual change of that and i think that's amazing and so if i can get someone relating it back to golf yeah if you can get someone to get that the itch to play or the bug to play um to enjoy the game like that that's a awesome awesome thing and so I would love to do that for people. And, and obviously that's a goal of, of mine and whether it be with a small little Instagram thing or, or whether it be face to face golfing with somebody, that's the goal. Yeah. Right. No, I'm a fan. The, the posts you put out there, like it's just fun <laughs> to see that like, and you take him right through it. You see the slides, you see the PT, whatever. I mean, you see it all. Yeah. It's, yeah. I like it. Yeah. No, thank you. It's uh, just a hobby. It's yeah. just something to do. It's, it's more fun and, trying out something new we you know and and not only doing it but figuring it all out i like that idea yeah and and we we had mentioned hunting a little bit earlier right i never hunted growing up but then getting into it probably about two or three years ago 
one of the funnest things you can do and, mm-hmm. and it is so awesome to not know anything about it right and then to get to a point where you're harvesting the meat that you put on the table that you eat for dinner yeah. that's a cool thing right right and dabbling in western hunting yeah yeah which is just unbelievable i'm i'm, I'm, I'm hoping so we're, okay we're uh it's, it's pretty good chances but our, our child is due september 19th okay and um i think it's second or third week of October that we might go. Okay. So see how things play out. Hey, yeah. Yeah. But all that I, I was asking about the psychology in golf, right. And if yep. you guys did that in chiropractic world, to me, that's what a lot of this podcast is because it's been my interest in people and that, the, what makes them tick all whatever else. That's something I've learned through a lot of these is almost every single person has had a moment where like somebody said, Hey, you're really good at this. They're like, wow, I never thought about that, you know, yeah. or whatever it is. They've all, like, it seems like it all comes down to this one little moment that just changes their life forever. And now <laughs> they've been doing something for 40 years, you know, yeah. it's just crazy. It's some, it's some awesome stuff. And, you know, I got to give credit to Carl Arco, who is okay. the coach up at Calumet because for me in golf and, and I started out on the team, I, I don't know if I went to any meets, but I started out practicing and being up there my freshman year. Mm-hmm. And he made it so fun. We had a great time, and and he is a awesome guy as a coach. Yeah. Um. And so, making something fun and and making someone, especially younger, to want them to sign up for the next year. Right. You know, that's that's the goal. But you obviously want to bring them to a higher level, but you want to have fun doing it too. Yeah. But so you you coach for one year, was it at Delano? You just say I coach for yeah, volunteer for two years. Okay. And you said that was really enjoyable. I loved it. Yeah. Okay. We had a we had a great time out there. Okay. Uh, do you think you'll continue to do that? If I can. Okay. Um, you know, with the job I'm working now, I don't really have a whole lot of free time as far as you know three or four o'clock in the afternoon. Sure. But if I'm able to, I would I would love to help them out and, and to do some of that. So. Okay. Um, or maybe even do some of it on the weekends at, at some point. Uh, granted, that'd be taking up more than five days a week with, with playing and, and, and coaching, but yeah, um, as far as work-wise. But it would be something that I really enjoy. And, you know, now I've had a few people just on the on the Instagram just send me some videos of their swing, mm-hmm. and I love that. Hmm. Yeah, I draw the lines on there and, and see where we want them, what they're doing, and try to find another drill. Um, somewhere out there in the in the internet, send that over to them and say, "Hey, try this. See if it works." Yeah, we'll see where it goes. But right, and again, well, actually, a couple things to tie into that. You just never know where it goes, right? In three yeah. years, you could be a full time golf coach or whatever. I mean, who knows, right? Yeah. You could where life will take you or ten years. But anyways, um, thinking about, I was talking about psychology, right? I yeah. just had a psychologist on, uh, Doctor Michael Nuckala, right? Uh, yeah. He, we were we were talking about how. Um, there's strong, strong evidence to have one outside figure for like a young child mm-hmm. to have one outside figure. That's not their parent to ha- give, I don't know the proper way to word it, but give them like attention, focus, like, Hey, I see you. I care about you. Like it could be a coach, a teacher, whatever it might be that to have that or an, or a, rel- a relative, yep. whatever to have that is a huge, strong indicator of the success of that future kid. Um, so I'm just thinking about you from coaching, right? Not that you're like going into like, Hey, I want to be an outside influence, but it's just a side effect of doing that is like, you could be that one person, that Dr. Hill who comes out and shakes your hand and smiles at you and makes that like having that in that kid's life is a very big indicator on whether or not that kid will succeed or not. Yeah. That's a, I didn't know that, but that is super interesting. And, um, I think that's a 
awesome thing. Granted, I'm not going to go out and try to do that. Sure. Um, if it happens, awesome. But I think that's uh, that is super powerful to to at least try to create a positive environment that you want the kids to have fun mm-hmm. as a coach, right? Right. And get them out there, have fun. Want to get them to sign up to next year again, and and in the meantime, get them better. Yeah. That's. Uh, that sounds like a good coach and a, and a good year for the athlete. Right. No, because so a lot of these things, like we talk about these little moments or this outside influence impacting that kid, it's not like you're going out seeking that, but by doing these positive things, it just is a side effect, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so you think you might. I wonder too, I've thought about coaching myself. Uh, basketball is what it would be. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm going to wait till my kids are to the point where they're there and it's just a natural fit where you go coach as your kids are going through it. Do you think you could see that from a golf perspective? 100%. We're, we're actually expecting a, a little baby girl yeah. in September. And I'm going to wait until her second birthday to get her golf clubs. Yeah. I, think, <laughs> I think the uh, first year they don't remember a whole lot. And so yeah. um, that'll be that'll be the, that then. But, you know, I can't force them to play. Yeah. I, I don't know where that will go, but if if she would or, or kids later on, if they would love to play. I would more than love to coach or, or help them, if not their team, then them individually for sure. Okay. Um, and I got one last question. Unless you have anything else you want to no, no, no. cover? Retirement. Okay. In my head, I'm not <laughs> golfing now, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm golf once, twice a year because that's all I can fit. Maybe it'll get there. But in my head, it's 30 years from now when I retire, I'm going to winter down in Arizona and just golf hard all spring. Yeah. Um, do you picture that for yourself too? I would love to. Yeah. You know, and, and especially funny that you mentioned Arizona. I love, I love that area. But, um, you know, we see a lot of, especially in the clinic, for, for chiropractic care mm-hmm. we see a lot of people that play the game and I talk about and I've mentioned how I want people to play better for longer yeah that's the for longer part right right a I want them to play better might get some tips or some things that they can do but then what will what will they do later on in life are they able to play the game and, and continue to play the game we see a lot of people and you, you might have seen some old man swings right where they don't crush the ball but it's down the middle every time and they score well right but how can i be with them or what can i do for them that allows them to play the game past 80 Mm -hmm. past 90 um is 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 another thing that i i think about a lot as well yeah no i can tie that into a lot of things right like i remember even going to dr hill as well and he's saying that a lot of old age and aches and pains isn't from being old it's from not taking care of yourself it's from not fixing this issue as it came up Mm -hmm. Uh, but for me for hunting i'm getting to the point where i can see that my life has an end right and or, or even like my hunting could have an end there's a certain point in time whether it's 40 years 50 years whatever it is it comes here before you know it but realizing that that's there and then the decisions you made today and over the next 20 years is going to impact whether you can hunt for 30 years or 50 years right 100 percent. and i funny that you mentioned that this is something that i've thought about with having a kid coming up is that i'm starting to get a little older whether i like it or not but yeah. you think about those things you love to do and i think this podcast podcast highlights those things yeah but if you want to do that and and not only do you want to continue to do that but do that at an old age because you're right there's some time that i won't be able to golf Mm -hmm. that's gonna be a tough day yeah and to elongate that out further or you know avoid that day as much as i can Mm -hmm. is something that i want to do and i will put in the work now to avoid that later on yeah 
right? From a, uh, a physical and, but also a mental state too, right? Um, the reason I, a little side, but the first podcast I ever did was a gentleman, a dog sledder. Yeah. Uh, and he crazy story. I don't, you almost have to just listen to it, but either way he was out running his dogs, never thought about dog sledding in his life. He had these two dogs he was out running and they got away from him, went to the neighbor's house, ate some of their chickens and lost the dog. He couldn't find them. A couple days later, they end up at the pound. Um, he goes and asked the sheriff like, Hey, can I get the dogs? He's like, yeah, it's gonna be 150 bucks. He had twins on the way coming in two weeks. He was dead broke. He had no money. He said, Hey, I've got no money. Is there any way I can get these dogs? without having to pay. And he said, I'll tell you what, this is the sheriff talking to him. I'll tell you what, if you go talk to old man Johnson or whatever his name was yeah. and make things right with him, I'll waive the pound fee. Uh, so he goes, talks to him and the guy at first is like cussing him out and you ate my chickens, whatever else. And eventually he's like, Hey, you should really be running those dogs. He's like, what are you talking about? Um, he's like, they're bred to be sled dogs. You should go run them. This guy was an old dog sledder. He was like 70 years old. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to draw on here and tie this all back in. But anyways, he, <laughs> He's like, okay, sure. I need to waive this pound fee. I'll tell you whatever I need to tell you to get through this, you know? And he gets through it and he tells his wife, he's like, I got to do this. This old guy's going to check in with me. Did it. It was just unbelievable. He said it was just instantly <laughs> the best thing he's ever done in his life. But the crazy part about it is this guy, this old guy had done it for many years had given up. At this point, he was retired, watching TV every night, going to bed, wake up, eat, watch TV, whatever. His life was over. Um, Maybe that's a bad way to put it. But either way, he didn't have a good passion. Like he yeah. had nothing. But through this experience, this new guy getting into it, this younger guy got into it, inspired the old guy to get back into it. And he did it for hardcore for another 10, 15 years, like rekindled this guy's life. But what I'm trying to say is that sticking with that passion or sticking with golf or being at a point where you can, like that gives you a, a meaning of life, mm -hmm. right? course of once course. you give it up like you're giving i don't know it's it's, it's too bad to say but anyways go ahead of course outside of family and, yeah and, and that stuff but having a passion of that and, and you know looking at waking up in the morning feeling like it's christmas morning to be honest there's not a whole lot of people that have have passions and and that's okay too yeah but to have that and to worry about not having that is a is a tough thing to think about and push that off like i said right as long as we can is uh is ideal yeah but the health and mobility for me like i feel like that's one of my bigger like la not last frontiers but something i want to actively work on i wonder if that's pretty common i see in the hunting world i see a lot of guys that are 40 50 years old that say they're in way better shape than when they were 20 but it's because you're young you're invincible you don't think about it yeah. eventually you realize man what i'm eating and how much i'm not moving makes a huge impact yeah that's a interesting but tough realization too is that you know, when you're younger, you're playing football, you're, you're not worried about anything. And right. I think kids should do that. I think they should get out there and, and, and enjoy those sports and, and do that all. Mm -hmm. But doing those types of things, I, we went to a bull ride the other, the other week. Mm -hmm. Love those, by the way. They're, they're a great time. Bull ride. I don't know. You're... Like, like bull riding out rodeo. Okay. Sure. Um, but to see someone who's 45 year old riding, riding a bull that's just a combination for a big issue yeah. and granted i don't know the specifics on it but they gotta love doing it to be doing it yeah. at an elder age but um what i'm trying to tie that back into is when you have that realization that there's a time in your life where you may not be able to do what you love right then you start saying okay i gotta take care of myself now mm -hmm. i think the the earlier that is the better um because if all of a sudden you're 60 70 years years old and you're not taking care of your body then you want to start it's a lot harder at that point yeah than when you're at 20 30 
Right. For sure. And there's like, again, we talk about inflection points in life. There's inflection points in health, right? Sure. Like you could be 30 and, and need some work and maybe need to lose some weight, whatever else, and, and take that seriously. And you could bring yourself back potentially like you're, like you're hinting yeah. about, or it's the opposite end of the spectrum. You're going the other way and it affects everything. hundred percent. And there's stuff you can't, you know, there's some genetic stuff that is going to happen. And, and, um, but taking care of yourself and increasing the odds of you doing what you love longer, I think is a great route to go. Yeah. But for you in that, I mean, you go to chiropractic school, you're thinking about the body. You're like, you have no choice, but to be engaged in it, not no choice, but like you just naturally are right. Oh, for sure. I mean, you're, you're, uh, what you're eating, how you're moving, how you're sitting at your desk, all that kind of stuff you're thinking about all yeah. the time. Right. Yep. Um, how do you, well, I'm just thinking about being a parent and maybe it's just like the, the thing that your kids will just have to deal with, but like, you know, so much, it's almost like, how do you, well, there's an interesting thing. How do you like, let your kids be free because they're going to be out there hurting themselves, doing this, playing football, things that you know are detrimental to them, but also they're positive in a different way. Right. Yeah. But you have to like shut that part of your brain off or what do you, how do you know? You know, I, I have this idea of what I'll be like as a parent. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I have no idea. Yeah. Right. You know, I've heard many times now that as soon as you have that child in your hands, your life is, is changed forever and no oh, yeah. longer are you living for yourself. You're living for your kids at that point. And, you know, I, I, I think that's a pretty cool thing, but I think there's a, there's a point where if you tell them they can't do X, Y, and Z, right. This would be a great question for the psycho psychologist there. But if you t continually tell them they can't do X, Y, and Z, um, there's going to be a driving force of some sort that they want to do yeah. that. And so I think to, to allow your kids and, and this is a whole different tangent thing mm -hmm. golf, but, um, and it, and it changes for everybody, but I think to have them try those things and see what they enjoy. I think you're hundred percent right is you have to turn off that side of, Hey, this might happen or this might happen and say what they will grow or what they will learn from doing this can outweigh that. Um, and again, that's, that's something that I'll have to see where, where I'm at when that happens. But yeah, I'll say for myself, well, a few things I'm reading a book right now, Jordan Peterson, uh, 12 rules for life. And one of the chapters I literally ended last night was called let your kids ride skateboards. Yeah. Something to that effect. That was the rule is like, basically let your kids do these dangerous things. Like that's where they learn. That's where they develop. That's where they get confident. That's where they get a personality. But if you're constantly shutting that down, it just shuts them down and it makes them it makes their whole road through life, through school, everything just way tougher. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you, that's where they, that's where the magic, we talked about the magic of being on the, on the line of healthy versus unhealthy, yeah. same thing, right? You're on the line of uh, safe versus unsafe. And that's where those kids learn. That's where they develop. That's where they grow. Um, but it's hard as a parent, like everything, like you see your kid getting in a fight, you want to instantly go over there and split them up. But like, you should let them fight that fight, you know, hundred percent or climbing over this brick wall or whatever. It's uh it's so hard to not yeah. stop them, but you have to just let them go. I'm very interested to see that and, and to have them learn too from that. Right. Yeah. Because you know, you, you go through life and nobody's perfect, but you learn from those times where you did that or, 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 um, you enjoy doing that. So you say, Hey, I like that. I'm going to do that again. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, having that from a parent's perspective, then, I'd be interested to see where that goes. Yeah. Cause you find, I, I'm sure you'll have the same protective instincts and it'll be tough to shut it off from being a parent as well as the chiropractic side. Cause you know so much, right. But for me, when I'm looking at my kids, there's a huge, 
I think there's a huge benefit in no parents being around. Like you kids are in the basement or you're outside, you're playing like that's where the real learning is happening. Right. Yeah. Or a picture for you, like friends playing baseball at the bye by yourself and you got a fist fight <laughs> at the second base. Like that's where the magic happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. 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 So no, that's uh, we laugh about that too. Cause we growing up, I don't know when it was, if it was my freshman or sophomore year of, of uh, golf, we talk about a story where there ended up being uh, uh, <laughs> hitting into somebody else. Right. That it was, yeah. Four, we had eight people, two groups, and we had one crew, I think, that was ahead of us that wasn't moving as quick, and we had one one person from our group hit into them. Yeah. And then they took that ball that was hit into them and threw it in the water, and then we ran up after them. And, and yeah. of course, I was involved in the little bit of a scuffle that went on, but yeah. we had a, a great time. And that's just part of the camaraderie of, of you know team sports too. Right. But then you look at golf, and it's such an individual individual sport where when you play the game and when you mess up you're the only one that you can blame on that yeah which is a good and bad thing um obviously when team sports you don't want to blame other people but when you're playing golf it's it's nobody else's fault or nobody else's blame that something happened it's all on you yeah and i think that can grow you mentally yeah yeah no, again, I think about all this stuff. The uh, I, I think from being a parent, you'll get there too of just it's hard to not protect them. But you can picture your life, those moments, those things that you could probably think of right now where yeah. you got your face punched in being too cocky when you're young or whatever. Like you, you're testing <laughs> that edge, right? Not you, yeah, right? <laughs> Anybody, right? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. But it's, sure. it's, it's, yeah, being able to test those edges where I think that you learn. Yeah. 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 I know for a fact I got – you test those edges. I was – riding this huffy bike and the front tire had a little bit of a bend in the rim yeah. <laughs> and i thought i was you know putting the bike way to one side or the other and that thing caught a, a little lip on the sidewalk and i just went through straight over and ended up with a few stitches in the chin but yeah i wasn't riding that huffy bike so i decide too much anymore after that so yeah it's a, it's a great learning point and and i think it's important to have that right right so yeah the uh i know you just mentioned a couple times you would consider it the the playing golf on your own but i'm curious if we like in a year we should do this again if yeah. you've gone out well either way but i'm saying I, i'm really curious to see if you go out and play on a competitive level uh at any level right even if it's just a local tournament or whatever yeah. just where your mindset has gone at that point it'd be fun to hear yeah that'd be awesome i would i would really enjoy that and we'll see where where, where that takes us as well yeah but bryce appreciate it fun to hear about of course thanks for having me yeah thank you Hey guys, thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have and you feel so inclined, share this podcast with your friends, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and give us some feedback with a review. Until next time, thank you.